Welcome back to another episode of the Constructive Liberty Podcast. As always, intentionally designing a lifestyle of freedom. Today, I've got Brian Norton from Food Forest Farms on with me. And Brian, why don't you go ahead and tell us who is a Brian Norton and how do you go from where where you started out back in high school, even or a kid? Tell me you were a trouble teen at times to who you are today. Trouble teen. That was me. All right. I, I threw this on just to start since you picked the Pooh Bear picture out of the collection for the product. <laughs> oh, man. The, uh, uh, oh, yeah, troubled teen. That is so funny. Yeah, the, uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Okay, so my dad was a crazy sales dude for H.J. Hines Company back in the 70s. Um, he was like their their executioner sales guy. So territories that were underperforming, he would get sent in and whack everybody and rebuild them and just rock star them, right? And then onward. So my whole growing up, I got to literally hit the reset button on the video game every three to five years. And after it happened once or twice i was old enough right to figure out holy shit it's a game i'm gonna get to hit the reset button again in three years so like what am i gonna do this iteration of the game so i got to play in different states different parts of the country different school districts right but i was entering the system each time knowing now as a game <laughs> so i tried out different clicks uh right because in in one group i was like the youngest eagle scout ever <laughs> and in the next iteration i was a big huge fucking burnout um in the next iteration i was like uh lettering on the tennis and swim team so i yeah her, her, the so kind of like the game of uh, of uh, what is that? The Sims, where you get to choose your character and kind of go with your own plot life, line each and every right? time. Because <laughs> it is a game in real life. It's always a it's always a costume. It's always yeah. a game, right. Everybody's always playing a role. So I tried out different roles. Um, yeah, yeah. And then I got so got done with college. Uh, I got a BA in uh, business admin pre law, and. Uh, I just, I was on the way to economics degree. I just didn't have time to, uh, well, I was done. I wanted to make money. Um, so I went to Chicago and uh, started selling kosher meat in Chicago. Think about like selling ice to Eskimos. Pretty established. <laughs> You're going to get your teeth kicked in. So uh, went all the way to the bottom. Uh, it was, it was awesome too, right? My dad was national sales manager at Heinz at that point. I could have got a job at any food company in a blink right the conversation i had with him went something like if i find out you made a call to any of your buddies anywhere i'm just gonna fucking quit like literally like the third day in if i find out done and now you're mm -hmm. in through the mud so don't make it on your own <laughs> do not help me right it was uh yeah yeah so i started out a pretty fucking lowly position right i have like two weeks in the meat plant cutting meat learning fucking how kosher meat is made because they don't let you on the street unless you can know um so that taught me like if you're gonna sell something know it like know it don't mm -hmm. just, right or uh, yeah i don't know i've always had a problem with having ethics <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh shit right it's the part, it's the part of growing up be through the whole being an eagle scout like service mm -hmm. take keep, right everything's better if everything's better right don't be a mm -hmm. part of the problem 
Uh, yeah, work for what you get, and <laughs> that, yeah, that's, what, that's what we're taught. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, except, uh, so I grew up in the thing of like always more, always more, always more, right? Barbie land and plastic mm -hmm. living on the right side of the tracks because those people don't do that kind of work and blah, blah, blah. Oh, fuck. So, talk about programming, right? 15,000 hours of fucking government school. <laughs> <laughs> on top of like somebody who was like my parents were deep in the matrix right because he kept getting rewarded and getting moved up in giant food echelon land mm -hmm. uh, uh, so yeah the problems as teenagers get worse the higher up you go all right i lived on both sides of the tracks i, I know how it goes it, it her so yes uh it, when you move to the nicer neighborhoods, right? The problems just don't look the same. They're worse. Still have the same problems. Yeah. They're just more money, more problems, bigger problems, bigger problems, right. Yep. That are easier to paper over. So they're able to get worse because you can't hide them. Cause when you don't have, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So growing up through the different side and grow, growing up through the social ranks and continually moving and being told to like, that is the goal. So yeah. I, bought so, <laughs> I went to college. So at, at what point, at what point in there, like your dad being a salesman for Heinz way, way up high on the ladder, you said, at, at what point did you kind of have come to the realization that, you know, either I don't want to go down that path, follow what he did or, or no, I actually can do, do I what my own thing. Uh, it was, yeah. Yeah. So I got sucked into it. Right. So I started in the food thing and I was really good at it. Up you go. Mm -hmm. up, 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 up. Uh, kept working for small companies that got bought out by giant companies and when they would get bought out by the giant companies hr would get too close to me <laughs> i jettisoned <laughs> myself because i fucking do it my way that's why i'm that was why i was the best sales guy i did mm -hmm. it playbook poof, let's just what do you, you want you're paying for results or are you paying to play by the playbook and the big yep. guys work they didn't give a shit because they wanted to grow on a schedule small companies that are family owned want to grow as fast as they can. So youngsters starting out, you want to like, you want to be a career guy living under fluorescent lights and humping your little sales suitcase around for 50 fucking cities a year for almost <laughs> nothing. Go to work for ConAgra or Hormel or Serum. Mm -hmm. You want to make money and have fun because there is nobody to report to because you're not publicly held. Go to work for a fifty, a hundred million dollar company that makes something real, preferably in the U.S., but like a real thing. You will have so much fun, and I can coach you. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got all that sales experience. How? Fast forward just a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Where Where do you get okay. to? Oh, so I jettisoned uh, myself. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I kept trying to find more ethical companies to work for. Um, as I had, uh, my kids are like. Oh, 17, 18 now, right? So as we started to have kids, um, it was like, uh, we should probably find a church. So we went on this hunt for like realizing like it's just a community of people. We Who do we want to hang out around? Mm -hmm. yep. So we went on this big church hunt before the first kid was born. We ended up settling on the oldest Buddhist church in Seattle. Uh, so hanging around with those guys for a while right livelihood is one of the tenants of, of the path uh so i remember it so distinctly it's like 20 years ago some old old lady when i told her what i did she was like it's okay you can change that 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they just ground like one little piece of sand in the gears, fucking <laughs> the whole thing to a halt. It took like four or five more years to realize like helping giant food do their thing is just fucking evil. Right. I just I'm just part of the leverage of the fucking evil to just feed shit to everybody and kill them. Oh, sorry. I'm, we've, I'm, all had, we've all got the, uh, got our own path to that realization that, that what everybody sees as normal actually is so far from normal. Right. So, so how did oh. what that lady told you? Like what, what was so your then, mindset yeah, so, or how did that move you forward? Okay. So yeah. So then I tried to find the most ethical food company that I could find. Right. So that's when I found, what now I know as a permaculture coffee company. Uh, mm-hmm. So they were doing coffee a totally different way to roast than anyone had roasted before in history up until, you know, 1500s till 1980 something. And then new tech, right? So they were on the edge of that. Health benefits were really good. They were real. It was like a real thing um, that really helped people. Then we got merged with these green coffee guys that owned the fields themselves they own the import they own the export they went around the world and taught farmers like if you do if you if you treat the plants more holistically and your people more holistically and run your business more holistically pay everybody more we will get you more for your beans on the sale when it goes up to hard currency everybody wins the whole supply chain wins yeah right so Bill uh, really was the first permaculture teacher I'd ever known. And he really wouldn't, he didn't even, he'd still to this day probably doesn't even know the word. Um, but he ran the company as a holistic living entity. And I got to see it at a big enough scale to know like, aha, this works. Um, and then Jack started getting into the permaculture thing at about the same time from TSP. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, yep. And that, I forgot, he gave this big rant around a couple of hundred in about doing what you want, following your passion, fuck it, like do the thing. So that's when I had the biggest office in the coffee building. Um, They came in that Monday morning and like all the furniture was mine. So uh, (laughs) the weekend, I took it all out. (laughs) They literally came in that Monday morning and like there wasn't any, fuck. there was like files and shit that he didn't want to take to my house and like, a telephone on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> Wipe like, them out. <laughs> we did not believe me that I was like, I live 15 minutes from here. If you really want me, just jingly jingly. It's the same as me walking down the hall and you guys all pissing 14 more times and then we have the same meeting in 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. I over. But as soon as I removed myself from the building, magically, like all the meetings that had to happen all day, like didn't actually have to happen. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So that was the first step to like getting out, right? Was like, Oof, removed myself physically uh, since I was on the road most of the time anyway. And then uh, and then I really got the idea for like, okay, I am going to go into the medical cannabis business and help people grow their own, get their own, source their own, do their... It, it's been legal medically out here for two decades, a long, long time. Mm-hmm. But, Would you say that 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 was another one of those shifts? The uh, like the Sims shift where you just wanted to change who you were. You, you just no, walk in that yeah, yeah. and, and, okay. and I've decide. Grown, I've grown weed for fucking two decades. Every single place you shouldn't grow weed everywhere. <laughs> um, like back in Chicago in the day when you couldn't have a seed, I had a giant amount of plants and survived rental inspections. <laughs> um, but the. Uh, uh, so the problem was, right, 
the way they write the laws, you can be a medical patient, but if you can't get to the place they want you to go buy the stuff, because maybe you're like on oxygen or up to shit or in a wheelchair or like you can't go get the thing. What good does it give you to have the right to have the thing if you can't get the thing? Right. Yep. So <laughs> problems are always solutions. So that was the whole like, haha, how can we help people get what they want? And ethnogenic medicine is uh, basically plant medicine, right? From the earth. It exists. Mm -hmm. It has existed before us. It'll exist after us. It's here. It might have been put here for us. Depends how you look at that. <laughs> so how could I help people exercise their right to plant medicine? Um, so that was kind of the direction I went. I found this other guy who kind of jettisoned himself out of corporate America. He started a clone company. Um, we started doing like a bunch of genetic work. Uh, then I started going down the hydroponic trail. Um, so yeah, just just basically detaching from corporate America, realizing I'm not going to have a giant six-figure salary anymore, right? Because people that are in need and are hurting don't usually have a lot of money. Yeah. They can do other things, right? They could feed you or like do other like other things other than cash. Um, so that's when I really got into the whole bartering thing and like alternative side economies because it was everything was really gray like what were you actually providing for them right so mm -hmm. so at, at what point in there did you um does the coffee business and the cannabis business uh, did you merge those or are those two separate things that you that you're yeah, working on i do so many different things right as the um right like jack talked about as the whole uh, medical cannabis thing started coming up, right? He even talked about it back in the very early day of CBD about the boom bust cycle and startup of a new industry and how it's going to right, exaggerate all the, all the, the grip. Yeah. So <laughs> the pricing went complete to shit as it expanded, right? Because you mm -hmm. can apply oversupply shakes out the weak hands as the market yep, consolidates. Yep. So going through the whole, like watching industries go through that cycle in food. I knew, I knew what I was watching. Jack's sitting there yelling about the commodity side of it and all that. And I'm watching it in real time. Like, yeah, yeah, that's true. So a kilo of CBD to, to put in tinctures and soaps and all the stuff that you put it into commercially uh, the one year was running about $10,000. The next year, as they were opening up hemp farming in Washington, it was down to $1,500. Wow. So your market, your uh, the profit that you can make just dropped out the bottom. Right. Because Oregon saw the way to sell licenses by selling it by the square foot, right? Selling their ground. So no matter how the crop went or didn't go, the state would just get the money. Washington, mm. on the other hand, went with the limited licenses, right? More like the unionist protectionist route. So you had one neighbor with like the state kind of being smart, right? Of like, hey, every inch of the state can get licensed. It's this many dollars a square foot. Pay up. We don't give a shit. Have fun. <laughs> um, so that's how it that's how you had Oregon oversupplied that year by like 990,000 
pounds. And that's not hemp. Wow. That wasn't the hemp stuff. That was the real stuff. Hmm. So, you know, oversupply finds a way. Mm -hmm. gets so, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We've talked about the CBD for a bit. Somebody like a lot of people are still on the fence about that or still, you know, it's illegal in a lot of places. What, what are the benefits? What have you found? Not illegal any place. The only thing that is illegal is Delta nine THC. Okay. So a cannabis plant is a cannabis plant, right? What makes it into a hemp plant is that of the 125 different cannabinoids that it's spitting out, one of them is Delta nine, one's Delta eight, one's Delta 10, one's Delta a, when they wrote the law, they didn't even understand that there were 125 cannabinoids. <laughs> the basic, basic, basic chemistry way back when they wrote all that stuff federally, they could only identify this Delta nine thing because it happened gotcha. to be like the most of it sticking up like mm -hmm. spectrum, right? Lazy politicians. All they want to do is block some shit so they could sell more booze and more, more licenses. Paper. Yeah. 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 So, they didn't know that existed. So all the laws got written for Delta nine. That's why da, 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 da. You go to naturally infused right there. Delta mm -hmm. eight. Delta eight. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Delta eight will get you just as high, just as high. It, it, <laughs> it's no different. Right. But this is completely legal because it's huh. not Delta nine. And yeah. So, a plant that only produces the 124 components and it's just shy on Delta nine below three one thousandths, that plant, the feds wave a wand over and they bless it. And they call that cannabis plant now a hemp plant because hmm. of 125 cannabinoids, one of them is light. Right. So right. Now you take that plant and you take it to the oil factory and they shove it by the metric ton in big vats and alcohol, right. And strip off, all 124 of the oils and they're super smart and fast now because they're big giant medical plants mm -hmm. strip all the 124 components down into 124 vials one cbd one cbg one cbn once they they're all there right in their constituent parts so you could get all the delta eight you want and get as high as you fucking want legally because it's not delta nine that's what the federal laws against all the test, all the, all the cannab, all the pop testing mm -hmm. for Delta nine. So if gotcha. you don't, I've got a comment over here on float. Yeah. Uh, somebody said Delta eight is illegal in some States. Louisiana passed a law against it last August. Yeah. Yeah. It, so eight dropping the, dropping the legality issue of it. Why, why should someone, or why would someone want to take some of that? What are some of the benefits okay. that a person could, could see okay. from. So cannabis in general, in general, it's the only plant that has ever been grown on all seven continents. Really? Human beings took it to all seven continents and made sure it stayed alive. So wow. it's a seed bearing plant. If you're a Bible reading person, um, the cannabinoids, right? When I said Delta nine, Delta eight, they didn't even know the others existed in your body. You have an endocannabinoidal system. So there are CB one receptors and CB two receptors. So CB1 receptors are in the brain that allows the cannabinoids to cross the blood brain barrier very easily. It okay. is a socket. 
right? And the delta eights, delta nines are the keys chemically. They only fit each other. And your body has them in every cell and organ in your body. So why would a human body have all these keys that only fit one chemical on the planet in every cell of your body as we've evolved through all of time? And why did we take that one plant to all seven continents and make sure it stayed alive? Mm -hmm. And even though it's like under penalty of death, torture, <laughs> caging, captivity, it still happens. Almost as if it's the thing that makes us better naturally without all the infrastructure and all the superstructure and all the Walgreens and drive-throughs and drug drivers and armed guards and agent oranging and shooting people from fucking helicopters, right? It just exists. It grows naturally. You don't have to do anything. Mm -hmm. So, hmm, I don't so know. With with those receptors and and all of you know that you know, like you said the the okay so it's the key to unlocking your body. What is that? What does that so, do for you? Okay, so CBD. So as, as stuff comes out of the plant, there's this path. CBG is created first. Then it, it down regulates to the psychoactive side, right? The, the stuff will get you high or the non-psychoactive side, the stuff that's more like anti-inflammatory and like gotcha. regulates eating. Uh, they're finding CBN is a sleep regulator of epic proportion. Um, hmm. Little CBG mixed in with things makes the thing below it work harder. So my recipes for my candies, uh, the coffee melts, the that stuff has a little tiny, tiny bit of CBG to allow the molecule, the CBD molecule to work better. CBD, okay, this doesn't treat, help, prevent, cure, any disease, uh, not forward-looking health statements, any other FDA bullshit right here. Answer. Um, yeah, not medical I'll, advice. <laughs> I, so, okay, so I sell the stuff, right? Cannabinoidnaturalfoods.com. Mm. Forest Farms, just click through. You got to say you're 21, um, but it's the world's best anti-inflammatory. So take any anti-inflammatory that comes from the white shirted guys with the stethoscopes, read the package insert, any of them, Tylenol, right? Above 600 milligrams goes from pain reliever to anti-inflammatory. It's what everybody gets fucking put on. If you're on something where you have chronic pain and you're on that, read the package insert. What's it say after 14 days? How's your liver? You should be going duck. Get checked. Not great. <laughs> going to smoke. It will, it will kill you. It, it will kill you. So mm -hmm. if you have something that is massively anti-inflammatory, that doesn't have any side effects, like destruction of bodily organs, because it was actually like co-developed with you over all time, maybe you want to try that. Maybe. Mm -hmm. So... The thing to do, if you're a little on the like, does it work? Does it not work? I don't know. Go on websites and such where people don't have a vested interest and look at what other people that use the stuff say. They can talk freely about why they use it, what they use it for. You can ask them questions. People that sell the stuff are kind of muzzled. Yeah, they're, they're trying to sell it. <laughs> well, legally, we are muzzled, right? I can't yeah. tell you why that it does this or that or massively yeah. inflammatory so 
if you think about disease, you have heart disease, you don't really have something like heart disease is from the inflammation of your heart. Mm -hmm. Liver disease is from the inflammation of your liver, right? Psoriasis, things of the skin, right? It's from skin as an organ being fucked up. So you might want to rub something on it that's antibacterial, antiviral. It seems to work a yeah, lot. Yeah, there you go. When it's now, so, now you yeah. also have a um, an infused coffee, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so it's funny. My brother and my dad were both drug reps in their uh, line of shit that they do, right? So listening to drug reps talk back and forth to docs at parties, patient compliance is like the number one thing, right? You get prescribed a thing. You're supposed to take it every day at whatever. Nobody does, right? It's That's why all the pills have the fancy new Bluetoothy stuff in them now, right? That tells you if you took them or you've got a whoop and then whatever. They're all they're working on how to fix that. So, well, okay, uh, back up one step. If you're trying to treat yourself for something and it's an all over thing, it's an all of you thing, like maybe MS or like, you think of systemic level things. You need the CBD to be in you at a systemic level, all of right. it. Right. If you like tore your shoulder out and it's a mechanical thing or it's a place that hurts because a thing is like you, whatever, you have cancer in an area or a thing, tr treat things the way they are. So topicals for areas that hurt directly, treat that, right? There's no need to send it through you if you try to treat a blown out shoulder or, or elbow or something. Mm -hmm. um, it needs to, needs to be there ahead of time. Yeah. So, okay. So my mom had big issues with sleep and being on sleep pills for oh, her, <laughs> all that stuff. Um, so I was working with her for like, how do we, how do we get CBD into you on a regular basis at a known amount? It doesn't really matter like that you, t when you take it, right? If you're taking it on the daily, just having enough in you floating around, filling those ports helps it massively helps with sleep regulation so i messed around with the dose a little bit and uh it, it just it kind of ended up where i wanted her to be able to do easy math too right throw it on the scale <clears throat> i got 20 grams of coffee i got 40 mm -hmm. grams of cbd super easy or milligrams yep so i didn't, I didn't want the math to have to be crazy so that's kind of where we ended up so now the bags are thousand milligrams of cbd that means when you're making cups of coffee they're about 20 milligrams, which is a perfect dose. And nobody forgets to drink their coffee in the morning. So by <laughs> I know, I know. In, right. No, it's the, it was the, how do I get this in her every day without her having to think about it and be the pill box and did they take it today? And like, wow, there you go. Yep. One cup every day, one cup, you have your coffee and on with your day. Does that um, affect the coffee taste at all? Or, or is that like, can you not even tell that it's there? Okay. The other coffee companies that are out selling cannabis coffee have used coffee oils, right? And we put them back on the beans, which puts the cannabis taste and the oil taste. Ah, gotcha. My coffee is really delicate, especially coffee. It's beautiful coffee. So I worked with Naturally Infused on a process that I can't talk about on how to do that, but not mess up my coffee taste. Gotcha. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. If anybody wants uh, to start a private label, or you have a you have a need for a, 
a cannabinoid thing that you need a custom thing made for you. They're FDA regulated, uh, uh, Florida Food and Drug Certified. They're it's a great company. They make custom products. Gotcha. Um, yeah, yeah. If you buy cases, you can have your own labels put on them, and you're you're. So if you're looking for something for yourself, that's very. I I only carry a few items. My store is really limited. Uh, mm -hmm. it, all the stuff works for what is intended for. It works beautifully, um, but I don't do like custom formulations and all that. Yeah. I work with those guys. So, yeah. yeah. So your CBD coffee, do yeah. you air roast that or just you get these other people to infuse it and air roast it for you? No, no. It's, yeah, it's, it's my coffee. Okay. Yeah. That, yeah. I, I thought that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. They take care of the infusion process and then they have another brand of coffee they run and I do somebody right. else's CBD coffee brand. So you might be drinking my great air roasted coffee with somebody else's label on it already. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yep. Yeah. So you started a project, I think last year, the 500 project. Talk a little yeah, bit about Yeah. Yeah. 500 project. Okay. Uh, let's see it should say let's see 500 project coffee okay yeah there's different versions of these that i've had made uh the one i like best is know your producer um i had some that say know your farmer um so hashtag okay basically if you are a small business person and you're getting some stuff rolling everybody hits you for advertising for everything my god yelp and google and facebook and like never never ends i'll twitter you this for you know but they all want to get paid up front mm -hmm. it just it's competitive you you the amount of business you'll get back for what you pay for in the beginning remember how i said about like getting your head taken off by the experienced people because they're there yeah. to farm. they are there to farm the farmers yep yep <laughs> uh so how I, I i forgot what jack was saying it was it was something about going off on uber and lyft one day about how all the guys that bought taxi medallions were feeling stupid because like these guys just came and undercut the whole business mm -hmm. um, so it was like yeah yeah i so i thought about it for a day and i was like how can we just i hate advertising I, every time the guys call me i'm like tell you what when i was a corporate sales guy i got 10 cents a pound I made a lot of money, a lot. <laughs> like, I'll pay you a dollar a pound. Sell shit. After you sell it, I'll pay you, right? Mm -hmm. I'll take it. Nobody nobody will take 10 times the best deal I ever had in my life and made a lot of money with. So, because they're all, it's not about that, right? It's about sucking the money out of you and they'll throw their shit up and maybe it'll work. They don't yeah. care. Because they don't care. Because they don't care. So, since they don't care, we shouldn't care either. So, we should bankrupt so how do we bankrupt big giant advertising companies that are just meant to suck you all these people say they want to know producers like oh, i want to know a guy i want to know a guy okay there's all kinds of guys that make stuff that want to know people that want their stuff so what if we all just talk to each other continually so the hashtag project was born if you put hashtag 500 project in your posts, if you are a producer of a thing, think about like shade tree mechanics, massage therapists, financial advisors, uh, people that like bake, people that might have like a home kitchen where they do meals for other people, like agorist. It could be as above board and a real business or as agorist as you want, doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. So when you use hashtags on any of the social media platforms, it goes around the AI. They don't serve you up the slop, right? They serve you back what your hashtag was. What are you right. doing? Because 
in that instance, right, they want to serve what you're looking for because you're looking for that thing. Something specific, yeah. Dogs of float or whatever, whatever. So I use, when I post, I put 500 project, I'll put 500 project coffee, 500 project specialty coffee. Um, sometimes I put 500 project Airbnb or 500 project hip camp or, but whatever, just get it out there. So if other people are looking for a place to stay or a camp or coffee, they will find me because my posts will just pop up. Then they can look back through my posts, see like, ah, it's a real human. It's not like a franchise of some like Chinese subsidiary company. <laughs> some bot up. posting <laughs> over and over again. It's a real person like do it. Right. And then you can DM me. Hey, saw your shit. Uh, we can have an actual conversation. You can buy my stuff or not or whatever. The, the whole like, why pay for all this like nothing when it's so simple to meet actual people that do the real thing? Um, so, yeah, yeah. So I, so the 500 Project was born. So if it, it, the more I talk about it, the more other people talk about it. So if you go to my Food Forest Farms page, there's a little click click on like the drop down. Go to yep. the 500 Project page. There's this logo with the center open and the bottom open and the sides are all open. So all you do is drop it in paintbrush, soup, slap your name on it, stick your little logo of a wrench or a honeybee or whatever the heck you do in the gotcha. middle of it. And boom, you're up. There you are. Put it yeah. as a logo here and there on some social media. People want to find you. Like, I don't know, podcaster, right? You could have one with a microphone. Maybe that's how <laughs> you get guests just to come find you. Mm -hmm. 500 project podcast there you go yeah <laughs> so, yeah you should put them up in the middle of it yeah what what's behind so, the the 500 is that like connect 500 people or is that kind of like the thousand true fans model it was the whole thing of my coffee club originally i was gonna okay, make okay. 500 people in the coffee club because i was like ah he does it on a thousand fuck it i'll do it on 500 um but it just we you had to have something to to put the uh, to remember to put in the posts so that everybody around the globe can start using it. And I always like yeah. the Spartan, the 300, right? It's just a number you can remember with the, the, that whole thing. So 500 sounded good. So that's how it ended up being the 500 project. Okay. Uh, there you go. It makes sense. So, yeah, if we all just tell like 10 people, it's a snowball. It never comes down. It only gets bigger. There's only more hashtags in every social media ever. They just, they don't go away. So the more it gets used, the more it will get noticed, the more it gets noticed, the more it gets used, the more, right. And then Shazam, the last, the last turning, everybody's like, Whoa, this always been around. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> Somebody yeah. had to start it. So yeah, I did the old, uh, I didn't, I didn't know about BitCot license, but I threw up my own version of that underneath the whole project. that says like, anybody's free to use it but you can't be a government uh and you can't <laughs> be like a subsidiary you have to be the person that does the thing mm. you can't be an employee of a company that does a thing you you personally if you're going to use it as a producer have to produce the thing the thing yeah Your there stuff. you go nobody else you that doesn't mean outsourcing it to china bringing in some plastic shit and saying like i make the thing no mm-hmm so yep. and it's self-policing, right? Because I've released it to the world. It's free. I get nothing <laughs> from this other than maybe publicity that people will come back and find Food Forest Farms because yeah, the hashtag. But 
yeah, yeah, she's free. It's flying on its own now. So if you see somebody using it incorrectly, call them out, you know, self-policing. It's it's a voluntary world. Yep. At least it should be. We need, we need to get back to that for sure. <laughs> found, yeah, I have not found a like voluntary solutions are so easy when you're just willing to like let go of the paradigm. Just as soon as you let it go, time mm-hmm. only constant. Yep. That is yeah. it. That is it. So like that. that was part of how I jettisoned myself, right? Real estate in the coastal Pacific Northwest is has been going. Uh crazy oh yeah yeah i was gonna say this yeah yeah this was my thought earlier in the day the one thing i wanted to tell like younger people like looking for like how to do it how to do it buy real estate so they are gonna throw right now there's first time home buyer deals right zero percent down all you have to do is make the nut that's it that's your that is your door in so i went to the most depressed area with the triple X movie theaters that were closing that happened to be like right down on the water across from the Marina as it was in its full fledged crack heyday back in the like late nineties, Des Moines, Washington. I bought the cheapest condo in the entire city. Zero <laughs> percent down. Right. Cause the feds were given away first time home buyer. You just have yeah. to have a job. Okay, so go get a fucking job at Walmart. Literally, two weeks. There were two, what, four weeks. The feds want two pay stubs. Yep. yep. Like, literally, you and your spouse go be greeters. Two paychecks, four weeks, <laughs> free house. And I am not kidding. Free house, free fucking house. They're giving. Don't believe me. So uh, we did two and a half, three years there. Like, right. I, we bought in the nastiest place we could. Every place else near it along the waterfront was better. Better towns don't allow shitty towns to be near them. Yeah. Rich people buy shit and make it better. They always do. So they started coming in, buying up the stuff, closing down the stuff, getting rid of the taverns. I think in three years, we made like a hundred grand on that place. Right. Wow. Nice. Zero down. Zero. When they say zero down, first time buyer, they mean it. Zero dollars. So we took that and moved to the fancy fancy town that was five miles up right next to the water with the like private beaches and all the fucking yacht club shit and i bought the cheapest cheapest house again in that city that was sold that year a guy died in it two or three years earlier house didn't want to deal with it it was like burnt shag carpets an inch thick from the 70s right it had been like overgrown with trees for three years in the fancy neighborhood. You couldn't even see the house really. <laughs> so I got a construction dumpster. And by the end of the first weekend, I had already made $50,000 because I literally just cut the shit away from the house. There was a house. I could have I could have flipped it that weekend. So wow. like neighbors were like, wow, look at that. I'm like, yeah, look at that. There is a house there. <laughs> you right out my front window when you just cut mm. the shit away. There's the mountain. So, yeah. Uh, so... Same thing, right? Bought the shittiest house. Uh, it happened to be like an old Frank Lloyd Wright. I redid all. I redid the kitchen myself. So I taught my. It, yeah, I learned a bunch of trade stuff along the way. So, you know, over the course of ten years, all new plumbing, all new electric, all new kitchen, jacuzzi tubs, all that shit that I like. 
drove down to Oregon to avoid the 10% sales tax. Mm-hmm. But I bought like all the kitchen stuff, right? That saved me like $5,000 that one trip to Oregon <laughs> with the $200 trailer. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, you can, yeah, choose, choose what to pay. Uh, but so real estate, right? Parlay. Buy. So when I got divorced and I left Fancy Town, I looked for where were the Bloods and Crips actually having shootouts, and I bought a I bought a town on that street. Yeah, yeah. Because after the shootouts, they mop it up and move on, right? It's like mm-hmm. boom. So same thing. I've uh, been in here like ten years. Uh, I've tripled up on this place. Um, Is that where you are currently? Yeah, yeah. It's my quarter acre in the city. Um, okay. So yeah, yeah. So it's a duplex, right? So I own both halves. Um, and then it had its own upper garage that's now this studio. Um, and then a whole other driveway that we run an Agora market uh, on the weekends. So like anybody in like Freedom Cell Network, that kind of stuff, come and like they set up on the weekends and sell whatever. Don't care. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Well, everybody's been mask, masky, maskicence out here like for two and a half years. So I stopped doing the real farmer's market because I'm not going to stand around in a muzzle and like not be yeah, a whole. Ah, <laughs> I couldn't do it. So that's Can't deal we, with all the Karens, right? Oh, fuck. <laughs> Don't even get started on that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah at, at the beginning of all this shit, you, you started a, uh, a festival. Is that, uh, is yeah. that where the, the property is? Where yeah, you at now? Yeah. Is that where you hold so, Squatch Fest at? Yeah, so I got acreage out of town. Um, and uh, so that was the whole, like, yeah, the big uh, Thanksgiving when he was like, the whole state's going to be just locked down in seven days. So we just flipped him off. We we're like, here's the address, <laughs> governor. Come get us. We're going to be here. <laughs> And uh, yeah, like a hundred people showed up for a giant bonfire. I didn't promise. I mean, at that time, the property was really rough. You could barely like get in. Uh, it was like, there's going to be nothing. It would be a bonfire and pick it out. That's it. And like a hundred people showed up. Uh, so nice. it, uh, yeah, we camps at the weekend. Um, so that's when Squatch Fest kind of the idea was like, okay, it's on. Let's go. Um, so since the craziness continues, the reason for it has continued. Uh, it's gone through different iterations. Um, we tried like running it as a DAO, all voluntary, you know, everybody kind of get your own shit done, see how it flows. Um, <laughs> with no incentive to do stuff, it's so easy to talk about doing shit, right? Until the last minute and then mm-hmm. the last minute. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like the band for the one, the band for Spring Squatch last year, right, had told us for like five months how much they were going to rock this thing and all this <laughs> equipment they had. So we focused on like building a stage and getting the lighting and like all that other crap, right? Because they were going to bring it so hard. And uh, 24 hours before Squatch started in April, they called and were like, well, there's a little problem. Like, oh, we don't know any sound gear. Like uh, I was like no, like like not like no, we don't own any sound. I'm like you oh. fucking. <laughs> I could have solved this so many different ways, but right, now right. twenty four hours out, I'm gonna have to solve it with money. So, <laughs> you guys are just the biggest dickheads. Um. So yeah, that that uh, 
a couple people who are going to do critical things that just bailed at the last minute, right? So that's when Squatch is like, no, no, no. <laughs> there needs to be a benevolent dictator, which is King Brian. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, yeah, since it's getting held on my place, I was like, fuck it. Uh, okay, and then the other thing was, I forgot, I was yelling at some musicians or some artist kids, right, who are bitching about people don't want to pay for art, yada, yada. Mm. So my example is fish gives everything away for free all the time, right? Other concerts are free. You get, you can trade their shit. It's grateful dead. Same thing, right? Ridiculously rich. by just giving stuff away. So I made it part of my coffee club program now, um, as a coffee or cannabinoid club member, which means you buy about 40 bucks worth of shit every month. Um, you get access to Squatch Fest eternally as part of your ticket um and the other way to get to squatch fest now is to hit me up on telegram or float uh or mewe not so much um or interact with uh my scrambling university show and like Mm -hmm. be an actual live human that like does something yep if you just shit post like Who's the latest israeli intelligence like a thousand times <laughs> a day right i'm gonna think you're a bot and for sure you're not invited right mm-hmm. yep you need and productive you- people that are that are willing to put in and, and actually make it an enjoyable event not yeah. somebody who's just gonna take <laughs> i want to like the first one uh we had anthony samaroff who wrote uh oh UBI. yeah he's awesome he's, he's awesome great right so he gave a great he was the first they're kind of like ted talks is how i envisioned it right yeah. interesting cool people will show up and just tell us what they're doing and then they want to be there the rest of the weekend to party with everybody else anyway and hear what the other people are talking about their cool shit um i kind of got the idea down at float Right. One guy was talking about uh, not SpaceX. Uh, uh, what's the other one? There's a private space company that's trying to get going with like Bitcoin. Okay. Uh, I don't know. The, I don't know the about gal was down there that uh, is trying to buy the 737 because she's a commercial pilot. And they're trying to get whole Bitcoin airline going. Nice. So, right. They're all talking about their thing. Like, man, this is this is great. So, we got Anthony to uh, uh, we got Anthony to come out, and then the other the Squatch Talk the second night was the head of the Washington State entheogenic society right so she's the advocate for all plant medicines uh for mm. washington so okay she gave the talk second night and you know you're talking less than one year later and now all psychedelics are legal in the city of seattle to manufacture possess and consume wow so, you can grow your own mushrooms you can make your own lsd uh <laughs> as long as it's in the city of seattle have at it. Uh, she's she's a she's a licensed clinical psychologist that runs the state's um, children's welfare thing. So in her day job, right, she has to be hundred percent against it because there's still a war. <laughs> like she's yeah. like she's uh, like the side of the war that's trying to jade like kill, mm-hmm. right? All the people yep. she has to work for during the day. But in her personal time, she's the chairwoman of the Entheogenic Society. That <laughs> is like, hey, when I'm not wearing my state hat, I get to say the truth, right? Like, yep. throw some sand in the gears. <laughs> yeah, like these medicines are like safer than anything I have to prescribe during my working hours because yeah. I have 
who use the script after five o'clock, we can talk about how these other things might work, might work better and might not hurt you. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It's super interesting. So yeah. So she, uh, so she got, uh, was instrumental in moving that legislation forward. So Oregon has decriminalized everything, everything. Uh, Washington it's now, uh, psychedelics are now legal in Seattle, right? Colorado mushrooms are now legal. There's mushroom testing underway, like FDA, uh, PTSD studies are all just tons are rolling forward at this point and all the prelims data back. There isn't anything bad in any of the studies showing up that would contraindicate microdosing, macrodosing, single, do- like all con- there's, there's so many, there's so many studies now, right? They used to be able to hide mm-hmm. those studies. Now there are. So yeah, once the data it, 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 it's hard. It's unbelievable to think about how far, how much farther ahead we could be with some of that research if it would have just been allowed to progress. I mean, right. they, these plant-based things, yes, you yes. know, wherever you fall on either side of that issue, there's right and wrong ways to use it, but they do have certain medicinal benefits right. used in the right way. And yeah, and we, can have we just haven't been able to do that research because it's been so blocked. Because it's been blocked. Okay, so we can have an argument, right, over like the efficacy of a thing once you can study the thing, right? But mm-hmm. until you study the thing, you can't even have an or you can't have a discussion, let alone an yeah. intelligent argument. Yeah, um, the the even like, more frustrating is the fact. So that I am making these shorts. I'm a, I actually ah. just, so. <laughs> Uh, I just sent them to the printer. So that's going to be on the back. Drug war veteran. <laughs> yep. Cause I, I got sick of seeing all those. Uh, and then this is going to be on the front ethnogenic medics division. Number mm-hmm. four. Nice. Uh, they'll be on my website for 30 bucks. I just placed the order with the printer. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm tired. You know, all the guys like walking around with the, like I killed Brown people in the sand shirts to get pats on the back. <laughs> so who are the people that kept this plant growing on all seven continents, even though they were under penalty of death? They are our heroes. Mm-hmm. If you think that earth medicine is a way to go. Right? Yeah. So, so yeah. Yeah. So uh, shirts are for sale on the website super soon. I'll get, I'll get the logos and shit up today. Um, yes. Yeah, send me the link for that. I'll drop it in the show notes. Uh, talk to me a little bit about Scrambling University project you just launched. Yeah, yeah, Scrambling University. So yeah, it's just uh, I after I did unloose the goose sit-ins for a couple of days to just help them out, and then I built the studio for other people to use to start their own podcast, vlogcast, whatever. Uh, I was like, hey, this is kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, so the whole Scrambling University has started. Um, the first one was uh, Bitcoin 101, Bitcoin from scratch. The second one was Cannabis 101, Cannabinoids from scratch. Uh, the third one was um, somebody talking about wanting to get into a quick service restaurant slash mini brewery. It was like, whoa, uh, timeout. <laughs> <laughs> At least know the numbers. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and I forgot what the fourth one was. So anyway, we're up to four. Five will be probably Friday. I'm going to try and do Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Uh so yeah, as I go, uh, I'm figuring out all the screen share. I'm figuring out all the, all the, the doing the show part. It's kind of fun. And, um, I totally want to be interactive with, uh, people asking stuff. I can go deep on just about anything. 
So do you, you take requests on that or do you kind of have a list of topics that you're going No, on? I'm just, yeah, it's starting, right? It's so lifting, yeah. Fire me up some stuff you want me to talk about. <laughs> hey guys, if you're watching in the chat, go ahead and drop some stuff for Brian to, to hit on in the next couple scrambling universities. And I've got a few over on float and a couple maybe on YouTube. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, hit me up. Okay. So, and that's why I called it at scrambling university on every platform. Just look up at scrambling. That's there it. There you go scrambling i'll just come right up boom it's me yeah so what are what are some of the topics that you're most passionate about talking about within that scrambling university okay uh, uh coffee roasting or um any kind of if you want to start a food or restaurant business um or manufacturing of food or manufacturing of a thing um talk to me i can i can help you with thinking about time equipment parlay scale ups injecting a broker sales network into the equation right because if, if mm -hmm. it's time to go from like selling locally selling what you can handle to like okay let's go outsource this production boom you need to scale up sales in the same way there's national networks of people that sell a bunch of stuff that once you just know they exist and how to plug into them you can get the things sold but you have to build your business model with the idea of this whole middle layer that works on the scale up. If you don't plan on that from the beginning and don't get yourself aligned and priced correctly going in, you don't leave room for the suck it up layer. Yeah. Yeah. What the 500 project is trying to kill <laughs> them yeah. too. Right. But the middlemen have their place. They make the market because you don't know how to get your thing into all these distribution houses across the country. Because mm -hmm. Well, uh, depends what you're selling, right? There's unified distribution networks and there's non-unified distribution <laughs> networks. So, it's amazing how much, you know, if you, you think you're going to go into producing this little thing and, and then there's another 50 layers that you have to learn just to be able to sell that. And it just, it takes all the fun out of, out of what you actually were trying to do to start with. Right. So, so yeah. And once you know white labeling, private label exist as a way of doing things too, a little step back like do you really like that thing you're making like really like you would just lock yourself in the basement and make the fucking thing and if someone else so you just you do you would do that all day or you wouldn't if it's the selling of the thing and the owning of the company and the marketing doing that if that's what you like outsource the making of it, right mm -hmm. it's like figure out figure out what you, the thing that i like is the, the entire chain right it's a you can decide how much of it you want to be in or all of it to be in, right? Yeah. By, by running my coffee business, knowing all the way down to the farm, I've got my cost of getting my beans to myself as low as I possibly can because I know the system, right? So eventually I'm trying, I'm working on a whole other project that's about building and buying a coffee farm in El Salvador um, because that it, the whole Bitcoin city, Bitcoin beach, the money's going there. Uh, Nicaraguan coffee is awesome. I buy a lot of coffee from Rio del Coco, which is the river that separates the two countries. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah. It, uh, so yeah, yeah. So owning the whole ch chain, right? The whole chain from the seed all the way to putting it in somebody's cup means you get all the profits of the entire chain. You get the growing profit, the export profit, the import profit, storage profit the roasting profit the shipping profit the marketing profit the sales profit and the cut profit 
all yeah. all parts of the chain and people don't realize all those little profit layers if you if you can find a chain that you can get in and own all of it or control all of it you don't have to do massive amounts of top end to be super profitable right because mm -hmm. you're in control of the whole chain <laughs> which can work for anything livestock pork ducks anything yeah just you just got to figure out that niche and and figure out all the parts of the chain that fit so we're getting close to an hour here. Is there, is there anything you'd like to plug before we wrap this up? Oh gosh. Uh, just go foodforestfarms.com. So easy to remember food forest farms. It's up there. Uh, yeah. but, um, yeah, yeah. It just, uh, there's like a bunch of tabs that drop down. All my little projects are on there. So, okay. If you're coming to Seattle for say, uh, Alaskan cruise, I have an Airbnb. Um, come stay with me. I pick you up at the yeah. airport. Shit, I'll drop you off at the terminal. Um, uh, if you want a uh, Northwest vacation, uh, Camp Suniki is my camp. Ten acres over on end of the end of the road up the peninsula. It's it's magical. Uh, the three sides around me are like eighty seven year old forest. Um, there's like deer, bear walking around. It's it's, <laughs> it's awesome. And I own the five yeah. acres across the other side of the street. So make as oh, much cool. noise as you want. Have fun. Go crazy. Um, <laughs> So yeah, uh, food forest farms, camp Sue, Nikki, uh, uh, stay in my Airbnb, order coffee, right. tell people about the coffee club, 500 project and advertising. Yep. Guys, if you have anything going on, if you're selling or producing a hashtag 500 product, wherever, or 500 club project, project 500. with, with your, uh, the name of whatever your industry you're in 500 project coffee or coaching or construction or whatever the thing might be. Make sure you hashtag that. Or uh, we'll drop looking. the links. We'll drop those links for you in the show notes, Brian. And Hey, I appreciate you jumping on with me today. It's been fun. Thanks. Ken. It was a great show. Yep. See you, man. Awesome. Y'all have a great day.